everybody and welcome back to the weird science marvel comics podcast a star wars episode that means i'm here with my man matt what up matt what up jim what up we have two books here we got the star wars and we got the star wars hidden empire uh and the hidden empire penultimate issue it seems and i don't know it it feels like that one is like kind of caught them by surprise that it's ending we've got to rush things forward I saw some people talking about it, not a ton of reviews, but a couple of the user reviews talking about the idea. All right, they're still involved. They still want to see what happens to Kira, but maybe it could have been paced a little better. Maybe it could have ended up being something that didn't feel so rushed in this. But I'll give Charles Sewell one bit of benefit. At least you get the number four issue feeling rushed maybe to set up what we'll have in the fifth and i'm still i'm still into it now the no space story with the star wars stuff i i do kind of feel like it's a fun enough diversion but it feels weird at this point i don't know why suddenly it feels like come on let's get out of here let's go back to the regular stuff but i don't really know what the main star wars books regular stuff is right now and i do think that possibly this hidden empire stuff is making this where you have to put our main characters kind of aside while the rest of the stuff works its way through. So I can give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. And one of the things that I thought, I guess I was wrong, the idea that Luke had completely lost his lightsaber, he gets it back here. But there's some weird little gaps in the Star Wars story this week that kind of irritated me a bit, but we'll go through it. Uh, It is Star Wars number 32 that we'll start with, written by Charles Soule. Midabev Masabekov on art, and that's my, you know, biggest. I tried, <laughs> I try. That seems to be a new artist on here. Rachel Rosenberg colors and VCs Clayton Close on letters. We have the crawl here, a little broken. The hunt for the legendary Kazrak convoy has stranded the heroes of the Rebel Alliance within the mysterious No Space. The inhabitants of No Space rescued the heroes from rampaging droids, but informed them that they must assimilate into the colony of Kazrak. Captain Blythe, the leader of the colony, and pretty much a Cyclops, recounted the colonists' struggles against the savage Nihil raiders. He then informed the heroes of the futility of escape, while Nihil could leave no space no others had in centuries. Blythe separated the heroes to integrate them with the colony, but their concerns lay elsewhere. Luke Skywalker must recover a sacred Jedi text he left aboard his ship. Meanwhile, Chewbacca devotes his engineering mind to escaping, a more of dreamscape. He had a dream, and he's like, oh my god. (laughs) The green bits on that holographic kind of cave painting looking deal, those were the Nihil drives. So he ends up that path drive. He ends up realizing that's the case. They do end up when he goes to them like, oh, my God, we think that this is the way. And they're like, no, 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 we've already thought of that. But the big play is they have one of those drives. That seems to be something, even though we have no idea how you would get into the no space without said drives but exactly. i don't know maybe the play is is that the kill bots they always end up destroying it but it seems like people just end up in no space but this time they get lucky and not only does lando say they're lucky that chewbacca's here but they also have one of those path drives going and the, the play here is so weird in my mind first off 
The Star Wars books right now, and I'll just say Star Wars, Dr. Afra, Hidden Empire, all this, it's dealing heavy with stuff that, I don't know, is it that exciting? Is the no space or the ascendant? All these things. No, they, they're not. You know, they're just diversions. They're just side things. And I, I kind of just want to get back to that feel of, oh, my God, this is what led to this in Return of the Jedi. And, oh, my God, this is what leads to that. That's, I think, the fun of it. But I guess you run out of things to go with. So you kind of have to bring in these new things, new things that really aren't going to matter much in the end because we know what happens going into Return of the Jedi. But at this point, yeah, diversions are fine, but I kind of just want to get to bigger and better things. And with the snow space, really, this is a side deal. Absolutely. We could have some fun, I guess. The weird play, though, I, I really want to think of this whole no space and Captain Blythe as being kind of sus. I think that would up the tensions, right? That would make <laughs> the story. But they're not. I mean, they're every not, step no. of the way, they're, they're really nice. That's the problem. Like The <laughs> idea they just need to get out of no space, but there isn't any. Now, the killbots are there, but the killbots are the killbots. I mean, they're just off doing their deal. You had that bit of, hey, Luke has to get the book, but I don't know. The tension just isn't there as these people in no space just tend to be nice. When you have Mm -hmm. these guards come, Chewbacca's freaking out. You know, he's doing, you know, and these guys are sitting there and like, hey, uh, do you speak Wookiee? No, I don't speak Wookiee. Do you speak Wookiee? No, I don't, but he seems upset. Hey, didn't that other guy that he was with talk to him? Let's go walk him down. Not even like restrain him or anything. It's like, hey, big guy, come on out and let's walk down <laughs> to your friend. I'm like, why Why couldn't they have just kept them all together anyway? They could have had a bigger cell, I guess. Maybe they just don't have the cells. But It would be easier to bring Lando to him than bring Chewie to Lando. I mean, Chewie's a big dude. At one point then, when they do walk him down to, to Lando, Lando goes, oh, man, Chewie, you're here to I thought that Chewbacca had beat the crap out of these guys, but they're there. <laughs> I mean, and they even go, lead the way, Mr. Wookiee. They're so nice. They're a little too nice in my mind. Uh, but again, they are just people stuck in the snow space. But I keep waiting for that twist. Even when Blythe decides to talk to Leia, I thought this was going to be what we thought. The idea of, listen. What's it like in the regular world right now out in the universe? You know, oh, it's this, this. Oh, I don't like that. We want to stay here. And you're a threat. I don't want people to think that they can escape. We, I almost got the idea that Blythe at this point was going to reveal that he always had a way to escape. But he likes being in command. Hey, but I, no, he's just a nice guy. He, he just ends up like, eh, you know. I think you've been reading too much Walking Dead, maybe. It's, it's, it, it, Blythe's like the governor, almost. You know? Yeah, but he's the good governor. <laughs> he doesn't do any bad things. And yeah, even when he says, because they end up, Chewbacca comes home, listen, Chewbacca figured it out. We have all these things that, you know, but we had a drive. Oh, well, we just have to get back to, you know, that place with the kill bots. We'll get, are you going to help us? And Blythe is like, listen, that's, that's great, but we're not going to rip. This is to get out. You know, the, I understand where, hey, we're not going to, do anything or risk any ships, but what are you using the ships for? I mean, you're you're stuck in no space. You would definitely help them out. I mean, it's an engine, it's a way out. Come on. The idea where the killbots are kind of on that little asteroid deal, it seems. At one point, I thought they were commandeering the ship that was that, but they weren't. So why can't they just fly them there and then let them go down, come back up, whatnot? But this is like, oh my God, we can actually leave this place? We can actually get... 
this is big, but I understand the way that Charles Sewell is playing it. He's like, okay, well, we'll we'll give you. But he gives them equipment, gives them back their weapons, like everything they need besides kind of helping. But still, it's it's being nice. And then the only play here is he tells Leia, hey, uh, step aside here, Leia. I can, and they go through this deal. I can tell you're uh, the leader here. Oh, no, we're all equal. Yeah, yeah, but I can tell you're the leader. <laughs> Not really. We're just a – come on now. I can tell you're the leader. Just let me talk. We're keeping you here so that your friends we, – we trust them, but we don't know them. So we need them to come back with this drive and help us. So we're going to keep you here because they wouldn't leave without you. And she says, well, you know, I assure you that no, 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 it's fine. We'll never figure that out because you're going to be here. Let's just do this. And that that has the rest of them go. Leia stays behind. But even leading up to this point, I I don't like, I said this before, I don't like Charles Sewell's voice for Lando. In this, Lando feels very, I don't know, very hyper. And that's something, and I'll go with not just thinking of Lando, but the, the whole idea of his character, Billy D. Williams, is a smooth guy. I mean, he is a guy who really, the, the big play of him is he doesn't really show that much, you know, that he's worried or whatnot. He's always the smooth deal, even when he's trying to, you know, just fake it. But at the mm-hmm. one point when Chewbacca comes in, it's like, like he knows something's going, the smooching was going on. <laughs> and you end up where Lando goes, yeah, yeah, Wookiees always pick up the vibes. Well, what, my good friend, Milan Holdo, Emmeline Holdo, and I get up to in our own privacy of our own selves, up to our business. I'm like, it seemed too, I don't know. It seemed yeah, he like wouldn't not, that. He, he would be like, whoa, calm down, Chew. Like, what we do is what we do here. What no, Something that happens in no space stays in no space, Chewbacca. <laughs> uh, but it just seems like even as they're explaining and, and doing things, I don't like his voice a lot but you end up where the ship takes off and they end up having the ship they go through a big history of the ship you know it's like when you you buy a used car and you go online and you check out all the things that happen to it like the car facts this (laughs) is the spaceship facts where (laughs) at one point they even had a colony of some animals living in there i thought that this was going to lead to at least some humor where they go in and there's like i don't know some crazy equipment or some old it did nothing. You just have this idea. I think the guy just wanted them to fix his ship. I think that's what this was. Yeah, Chewbacca fixes it. They go <laughs> off. Lando's helping them. But yeah, and, and of course, there's the mention of, hey, you know, we got the Millennium Falcon up so we can get this going. It's okay. They get the ship. It's going to, you know, not be no fuss, no muss. If they end up dying or the ship, whatever, it doesn't matter to the people of no space in this colony. But they, they get it to work. They go. And... Then you get this weird rundown. And this is where I tend to get a little annoyed with Charles Sewell's writing, where I said, and there's other books that he does that he doesn't do this, but it seems like very technical the way that he has to set things up or the way that he wants you to know things. Because out of nowhere, it seems Holdo goes, okay, let's see what we're working with. And then goes down things we already know. I don't know why she would say this. Why she would say, first, we've got our weapons back, the gear Captain Blythe lent us, and a ship. Well, no, <laughs> no, duh. There, you know, you're on the ship. Eh, sort of, we got one engine belly, and you have, I think that's probably land or somebody. Hey, it's barely a ship. And you go, okay, okay. Next, we have a Jedi. And then Luke has to mention so that we remember that, hey, the Force isn't working, or actually be told. And there's another part of this that I thought was out of nowhere, but 
He goes, sort of, my connection's a force of strange here in no space. It's hard to find. And when I do, it feels wobbly. All right. Well, that's just an info dump to let us know that when Luke goes, because in my mind, most people were thinking, and I think Charles Sewell realizes he kind of painted himself into a bit of a corner. If Luke is getting the force, has his lightsaber, what are these droids going to do? He's going to rip through them. He's just going to go and lightsaber the crap out of these droids. Easy peasy. But then if that's a, and we got an incredibly gifted slicer, I'd like if Lobots started blushing. <laughs> and then, you know, hey, and they're, they're going and, and we'll do this. And if we can't fight off the droids and we have to do this with a computer, he'll be able to do that. All this is just set up for, I guess, things that will happen. But It will happen. If he said it, it will happen. It will yeah, happen and that's where, that's what I, I don't like times when you get that idea of, all right, well, I guess that's going to happen. And okay, mm-hmm. I see that set up. And instead of showing it, we're being told ahead of time the a bit of pitfalls that we might get into and how they'll be fixed and how this, it really takes away from, again, some of the tension and some of the things, but also just the way that it's told seems very just over the top surface level. And, and it kind of gets to me, but you then have them, they're going to land on this deal. The Killbots have the path engine. They seem to have an igloo of sorts. It's a, it's a weird play where I look at this and I'm like, okay, we have the bottled city of Candor and an igloo. It looks like, but they're all, and they're all standing around it. They're all there. We don't really get why, but it might be because it's drawing them because of the heel deal, but they were just ripping through ships and things like that. And almost as if, if you sat there and thought, well, they're trying themselves to get out and this is, but it doesn't seem that they're just there. They're guarding it. And you end up already being told that you have gear. That was given by Blythe. But then out of nowhere, Luke then says, oh, by the way, in this little yeah. container, I have things from Forvon, which is weird. We didn't see him. That's the kid. But we That's didn't see him, right? No, it was very odd. I didn't like that part. He should have been there with his dad. You know, I put in air quotes because who knows? But you end up <laughs> with, you know, Captain Blythe. Hey, I'm going to go off and talk to Princess Leia here. But here, Forvon can then say, hey, you're a Jedi. You're the greatest. All that stuff before and I'm going to help you, too. I have all this tech. I'm a tech kid, and I did this. But it's just like after the fact. Oh, by the way, Forvon gave us stuff. But you already said that. Like, So it ends up being like, it looks cool to me. It looks funny. But you end up where Luke's in his X-Wing flight suit, but he ends up having a big ball-type Yeah, you never see that in Star Wars, so it's interesting to see. Feels kind of like a pulpy classic kind of deal. Not as much as maybe I would have liked, but you have that. And then, here's what gets me, though. You end up where they're there. There's Killbots. You have Luke going after him. Really, Luke is not really that concerned as much with the path drive. He's more for his book. He has told everybody this. I gotta get my book. All right. And so he ends up and he jumps the woo, woohoo as he jumps. I'm like, really? Like, what are you, Anakin, getting ready for the pod racing? Looks like he's 12 years old right there, too. So. He's all <laughs> excited. This is dire situation here. This isn't a woohoo situation. In fact, the ship that you're on, you already spelled out this thing might blow up at any moment. It's barely usable. And you're like, woohoo, all right, kill bots. And they all go down and they have jetpacks and stuff. It looks cool, but it's just, it makes me giggle. It makes me laugh. So you tell me at this point, okay, Luke goes down. 
right? And they're blasting. The killbots are blasting. He's deflecting laser shots with his lightsaber while the rest of them, okay, let's, we, we got to do distraction. We're running distraction. Yeah. Lobot's still flying the ship. You're, so let's get everybody in pretty much, hey, killbots, look over there. And then Chewbacca runs and grabs the stuff. He grabs what they need to drive and stuff. So he grabs it. He gets it. He's running. And you have just, you know, oh, my God, these killbots. But you never get to the point in my mind you're like, oh, no, Chewbacca. Because these killbots come. Luke uses a force push, laughs that he's just sent these sentient robots off to their death in no space. He's like, ah, I just gave him, you know, a bit of a, a look at the no space. And he goes, but he says, I can't do that again, maybe. And like, okay, well, that's odd. So he ends up having this whole play where he says, okay, all this, I got to get my book. This is where out of nowhere, I really, really thought that it was a misplay. He says, I got to go get my book. He's got to run through. It's like a goal line stance of kill bots. He's like, now, <laughs> granted, I don't know that we've really seen the kill bots fly. We've seen them walking around a bit. Yeah, slow walking. Everybody has jetpacks on, but oh. yet they're running right at the killbots that are only in certain spots. Now, at one point, you play retroactively <laughs> that Luke then gets hit in the jetpack and it, it kind of, oh, no, I can't use my jetpack. But that's later. Why doesn't he just go in the air, fly over know. it? I mean, pretty much at a goal line stance. A lot of times I love it when the running back jumps over the line. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It looks great. Do that, Luke. You can do this. Maybe even try a force push. You said you might not be able to do it again, but 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 use the jetpack. Fly over, right? The book's there. It's teetering on the ledge. If it falls off the ledge, again, you had a jetpack. But why fight through these guys? Why even bother with that? But when he do when he goes to do it, he says, I'm gonna go through here. He says, keep the killjoys off Chewy. Until he's back at the ship, then get yourself safe too. Saying this to Haldo. He says, I'm going after the text. She says, But you said your saber can't get through their armor. When did he say that? When did he ever say that? I was confused. I didn't. He never said this. He never said it. In fact, you never really see him do that much of an attack. He's just bouncing lasers off. There's never a point where he goes and tries and it doesn't work. But she knows this and it's just thrown at you. Because, again, that is, oh, my God, he can easily. He's running through now. Why he's running right into him, I still don't know. But he could slice and dice these. And you're just going to think back at pretty much, you know, the the droids in Phantom Menace or whatnot, you know, back in the day. The battle droid, they just get sliced. Jedi just dominates them. Yeah. So you're making these ways where you have to, like, put the brakes on things for no reason. And then Luke goes and... He's going to get the book. He's trying to pull it to him, and then he gets clamped down by one of the killbots who picks him up in the air. There's an explosion to be continued. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I kind of want him to get out of here, but, you know, Luke gets the book or whatnot. We'll see. I'm sure he will. But what would you give it? Um, Probably just give it a flat seven. Yeah, I think I'm like a six, five, seven. I'll go. I'll go more positive with a seven. It's just one of those things where I, I want to have fun, but the fun ends up being wacky. To the point where things aren't, and then this like info dumps of things of, hey, we got our weapons, we got a ship, hey, you know, Forvon gave us this, and then when you go down, nothing really plays out really well, makes Luke look like a dummy. 
in my mind, right? I really don't care about that book at all. I think that just doesn't have anything to do with Luke, but for some reason they're trying to force it in here. So you're trying to show like, okay, how did he, you know, how did he get to the point at the beginning of Return of the Jedi? I would hope that it was something more interesting yeah. than studying a book, but we'll see. And, I, and, and, and they didn't give uh, poor Chewie a uh, oxygen mask. That is a problem. What, what, Chewie's fine? <laughs> yeah, there's some some weird plays, and and really having that big giant thing on Chewbacca would be hilarious. It would. I want to see that. Yeah. So then all that. Like, it's so much easier to have, say, that Forvon say, "Here's some more tech," than just mention it after the fact. That that seems weird. And even well, let's go down the rundown. Hey, we have a Jedi. Really? Like uh, we kind of know that, but it just overall. It's a diversion, like I said. It might be lasting a little too long now. Almost like with the Afra book, with that Ascendant. Te- like, you got to kind of move on from here. It's a nice little fun thing, but I think that we have to get out of this. And really, the big play, if you remember, they just need fuel. And so if they get out of there, the Rebel fleet has the fuel if they take yeah, everybody with them. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes and to be continued. And then it says next, and it's like, Looks suddenly like Luke is there fighting Darth Vader. <laughs> what is happening? Yep, what's Darth going there, on? Yeah. Right there's Darth, it looks like. Oh, my. Uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll still go seven. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> just right. making me kind of giggle with all of this stuff. We'll move on to the next book, and it's the big thing going on. It's Star Wars Hidden Empire Part 4, Rings. It's called Written by Charles Sewell. Art by Stephen Cummings. Ink by Victor Olazaba and Wayne Foucher. Colored by Guru Effects. I will... Say one last thing, though, for the Star Wars deal. The art was pretty good. It, you know, Chewbacca should have a helmet on, some little things like that. But it was it was decent enough. And the art I like in the Hidden Empire book. I like Stephen Cummings' art in this pretty, you know, pretty good stuff. Yeah, but it's consistently good. The story itself tying so much into that Fermata cage and this Ascendant stuff and this old... I, it, I just, it's at a point where... This seems, even four issues in, it seems like it's gone on a bit too long. And I just kind of, at this point, want to know what happens with Kira. That's why I'm here. Let's go with it. But we'll see. And I I have a big question for you when we get into this about this, you know, Sith that seems to be captured in the Fermata case. But uh-huh. here is the, here is the uh, recap. It's not really a crawl, but. Dreaming of a freer galaxy, Lady Kira and her organization Crimson Dawn have waged a secret war against the Empire. Kira acquired a means of prevailing against the Sith and the Fermata Cage, an artifact that supposedly suspended an ancient Sith Lord. Like where they're really pushing this supposedly suddenly, too. I, I just want to point that out. They even say it a couple of times in the issue, almost kind of giving you a little foreshadowing that nothing's in there. Oh. Kira tasked the archivist with unleashing the Sith against the Emperor and activated her operatives across the galaxy to serve. As a smokescreen, the Emperor retaliated against Crimson Dawn, forcing Kira to her stronghold down, uh, Dawnfall, where a Crimson Dawn fleet prepares to strike against the Empire. A failed attempt to unlock the Fermata Cage nearly killed the Archivist, and the disturbance in the force it produced served as a beacon to Darth Vader. Kira dispatched uh, Chanath Cha and the Orphans to defend the Archivist, and the artifact Chanath Cha and the Orphans fought valiantly, but proved no match for Darth Vader. They did. However, their sacrifice allowed the archivist to escape, providing Crimson Dawn a final opportunity to enact their plan. So most of this hidden empire has been the archivist with Kofan Ferris at points, running from planet to planet, trying to open up the Fermata cage. And in the meantime, yelling to Kira, oh, my God, we can't do this without protection. 
garrisons protection. They either die or quit. And then we move on again. It's just point A, point B. While that's going on, Kira is giving lessons to Kedalia <laughs> in a way of just, hey, were you lying? No. All right. Hey, were you telling the truth? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then at the end of this, it's just, hey, I'm going to go. I might die. Wink, wink. Might get stuck in the thermonic cage. If you ask me, I said it from the beginning. And if I do open up this, you know, telecommunicate, open up this letter five days from now, if I don't come back and I'm guessing that this is going to say, hey, now you are the leader of the Crimson Dawn, as well as yeah. all of your, yep. you know, all of your uh, gangs and, and clans. So we have all that set up. But my big play is, you know, Kira keeps talking. Not one person is mentioning the idea that, yeah, that's cool that we're bringing the Sith back. Ooh. First off, how do they know the Sith is going to just go at like they're going to have a battle because there can only be a master and an apprentice. Now, does this Sith coming out consider himself a master? Does he is he going to go after the Emperor Palpatine? Is he going to go after Darth? But in the end, there's still probably going to be two. You know, if this crazy right away, if you end up having this Sith come out and kill Darth Vader. The Emperor's just going <laughs> to hug him, open him with welcome, you know, hey. Or he'll submit one or the other. He'll be the master or the apprentice. You'll still end up having the Sith in the exact now. Hopefully you would think they'll just kill everybody. They'll kill each other off. The battle will be so. But how can you count on the idea that we're bringing back an ancient Sith that was so bad that they had to freeze him in the Fermata Cage? To get rid of the Sith, I'm guessing that what we're getting is when people say, like, if you kill baby Hitler, you might get crazy super Hitler. Like, you're you're going a weird way. This isn't bringing back, and maybe the play could have been, but yeah, it's weird. The best Sith hunter Jedi there ever was. This guy when a Jedi, they need a good guy to come back. When this guy comes out, this guy is going to be foaming at the mouth because he (laughs) needs to get and have that whole play around where. That's the prophecy. The Sith were so crazed about, like, oh, my God, this guy is so bad that we have to freeze his butt never to see him again because if he, he's the one who's going to destroy the Sith. And you end up now again, we're playing this. You can't really have that happen in between these, you know, Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. But still, when you, you were doing this, like, the idea just goes off where, okay, we're going to kill the Sith off by getting the worst of the Sith to come. I'm like, I don't know that this works that way. This It really does feel like when they end up introducing an animal, say, to Australia, oh, that animal will end up taking care of the frogs, but then that animal gets way over top, and you're worse off than you start. It throws the ecosystem off. Yeah, the yeah. Ecos- and the Sith ecosystem, I think, and all this, I think you're setting up worse things. So That's- what is going on? But you do have... It is kind of funny. You start off with the Emperor. He's like, hey, I haven't used my lightsaber in a bit. How about we spar a little? And he starts having a lightsaber battle with Darth Vader. It's kind of cool. As yeah. he's talking as crap, and you get to the point where at the end, I love where the Emperor is like one of those guys when he's done, you're done. Like He's like, yeah, I've had enough of this. As Darth is about to slice his head off, and he has to <laughs> stop. I'm like, oh, yeah. But basically, this is like, hey, you know, this other Sith, if he comes out here, going to be pretty crazy. Like, I'm going to have to pick and choose here. And I don't know. I don't know if I like him or you. We're going to have to see what's going on. <laughs> it's kind of a funny play. But setting up that weird play of what are they going to do? Like, if the Sith comes, it, it might make the universe way worse. 
Kira, you, your plan is is odd, but you then have the archivist. Hey, I'm heading off, and by the way, anybody who's around this fomaticate when the it, it's hungry, uh, you, you, they're gonna die. I kind of knew this, but the problem is now that Darth Vader and the Emperor they kind of sense what's going on, and when I do go to start this up again, they're gonna be right there. I don't mind dying for the cause, but I want to die for the cause. It being successful, I don't want to just die because I open this thing and then they come and close it and then it's it's all a waste. I need protect. We've had this. She needs protection. Well, we had the Knights of Ren at one point. We ended up having Shana Cha. So in this, she just calls a bunch of she calls some people, but then just calls the Knights of Ren. She says, "Okay," and you even have Cadelia. Oh well, what are you gonna do? You know, you don't have anybody to go. She's like, no, no, I can still. She just calls the Knights of Ren and Deathstick. Deathstick rejects her. Yeah. So she calls Deathstick. Deathstick says, screw you. (laughs) It's kind of just funny to see Deathstick again. And I think it's one of those again. Deathstick was in every comic and now she's every. I mean, every scene she was in the rafters (laughs) that she was down. And I think this might be Joe. So like, I better show that Deathstick's not involved because she was so hot and heavy at the beginning. But then she just calls back the Knights of Ren again. And the Knights of Ren said, we're done. We're out of here. We're not dealing with you. All she does is call up and explain. They should realize this. Listen, Darth Vader knows about you, and he won't stop. He'll track you down and kill you, so you better help me, because I'm going to try to take him down. All right, they make a Yui, it seems, right? I would have said to her, listen, uh, if you do your job and kill Darth Vader and the Empire, I won't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. I guess then she'd say, well, I need your help to do that. But still... (laughs) You know, you have this, you have the little guy that we like, he's all up and you're like all upset. But yeah, you, this whole play is the Knights of Ren quit and now they're, oh, come on, come on back. You you can still, okay. All right, she's got a point. <laughs> Off we go. So you end up where they're going to need that. But it's more than that because you end up where pretty much Kira realizes this is it. This is the end. This is the end game. We got to get this Fumata Cage open. You end up where the archivist realizes, okay, I can go off to the Amaxine station where there's a lot of dark side force. There's a lot of that going on. Also, there's a lot of vegetation. Makes makes the joke to the Fermata Cage and the Sith. Hey, I hope you like salad. I'd like it's like, actually, I don't. I like meat. Oh, crap. But you're in this like a made up ecosphere of like a rainforest times 50. Before I forget, though, where they didn't show her dropping off Kofan Ferris anymore. No, and it's weird because she's there, you know, with Sana and all, and it kind of seems weird. Remember, she did say, ah, just drop me off. I guess she just dropped her off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Such such a weird play on some of these books. Yeah, they don't even mention it that it yeah. there anymore. And so, you know, you have the Knights of Ren, they Yui, they're going to help. And also then Kira says to Kedalia, as I said, listen, I'm going to give you this communication disc egg type deal don't open this for a couple of days if i don't come back open it it's for you all right and then you have that last deal which i do like it's a good kira line should i thank you lady kira only if you think it'll get you something Kedalia <laughs> walks off and Kedalia's like i don't know what the hell she's talking <laughs> about but yeah she leaves and says i'm gonna do something here we're gonna gather up the troops call somebody that seems like it's like a weird play here you end up where she calls and so, well, this is surprising. It shouldn't be. I have an offer you'll find interesting. We'll see what that means. Uh, but yeah, you end up where 
the archivist, all right, I'm going to open up the Fermata cage. She turns a wrench. I like that it's just like looks like she's just, you know, doing wrenches and stuff. And so <laughs> when you have that, she's already said, this makes me laugh too. Hey, uh, Kira, when I open this up, they're going to be on me like stink on crap, right? Uh, they're going to be there immediately. She does it. They're there. She's like, oh, my. <laughs> like, I didn't expect. Like, it's even quicker than that. But in the meantime, Kira, she's rallying the troops. She ends up getting, and this is the Hail Mary. I think that she realizes, okay, things are not going well. I got to give it this last push. We've got to get this Sith, this Fumata cage open. We're going to do all this. This is our place. So she gets everybody around, all the Crimson Dawn, start yelling at them. Listen, every. I like the idea. Listen. The emperor treats you like pieces on a, a game board. They don't look at you as people. They think that you're nothing. You already know this. By the way, I need you all to just go and fight for me, kind of like your pieces on a playing board. But she's no different. You're right. Yeah, she's the same thing. She ends up yelling <laughs> about, you know, they don't care. I'd like if she just starts pointing out people because she did go in the whole deal with the Knights of Ren. They called her out on it when she knew the names. Yeah. Of the people that, that seems to be like the only thing that she's got going for. She's more hands on than say, like, she knows the people as they die. But I love it. it's like, you guys, they make you seem like you're just a piece of the machine to control. Everybody get in your ships and go fight for the same. But she's going to go off. Everybody's fired up. The, the Empire sucks. So, you know, we, we got that. And they go off. It looks cool. And then the, the Fermata cage, it's going to open up. It's ripping apart the, the jungle here in this whole sphere. You end up where it's a weird play because, yes, it is a really easy target. You know, it's not like it's on a plane. It's in a sphere. You blow up the sphere. It's done. And so you have the Emperor and Darth show up. The Executor shows up. And <laughs> this makes me laugh, too. The Emperor says, all right, just blow this thing up. We, we don't have to do it. And he, he says, this <laughs> invader, I can tell. I know you want to go down there. You want to see what's up. You want to get near that Fermata cage. You want to see what the Sith is up to when it comes through. I can sense your your hunger. And then he admits, I kind of have it too. Like, it's pretty cool, but screw that. We need to stop this. I kind of like <laughs> our little dynamic here. I think we got a good thing going. We don't need to. So, hey, you know, blow it up. He ends up giving the order. Blow it up without delay. Right now, hit the button and blow it up, right? I think that, first off, the Emperor probably knew that this... I don't know how or when you have to start revving up the guns and stuff. It takes a little bit of time. Yeah, it takes a little. We saw it in, you know, New Hope where they're doing that. But that allows, you know, things to happen. Man. <laughs> so in this, he's, why didn't you have these pre-warmed up? Why didn't you, have, you I think you kind of get the idea that what this is, and we're going to blow it up. Hey, uh, right now, blow it up. And the guy goes, oh, uh, yeah, uh... Yeah, we're, we're, we're having problems here. It's going to take a little bit. What? Take a little bit? Why? Oh, well, we're under attack now, and mm -hmm. they're targeting our long-range weapons. He's, I, I wanted the Emperor to say, I don't care what they're targeting. Blow it up. I mean, it's, it's still – it didn't get destroyed yet, right? Do we still – and they just say they're targeting it. I'm like, all right. And so you have this. Well, come up with it. But with that, everything that you had the Emperor say, Oh, we can't do that. But it just goes out the window. We're going down. Hey, Doug, remember that? What I said? Yeah, let's go down. We're going to take this. We're going to take care of it ourselves. 
as they are now going to have to like go through all of these dog fights and stuff that don't don't allow the long range guns to fire, but they're going to go down. Crimson Dawn, they're boarding things, they're yelling and screaming. There's a big attack. I do like as things go on, even in this whole sphere, it ain't nothing. It'd be funny. Would you laugh if at points you saw the Emperor and Darth Vader like ducking? And running for, like, they don't do that. No, they just walk down like badasses right now. They down just the walk down straight up. They don't, they don't crowd. I love it. You know, <laughs> like, the emperor's crawling out. He's like, holy crap, it's really bad down here. But he, they go out, they walk like badasses, and then they get to the bottom of the ramp, and they're like, all right. Let's kill everybody. Remember, Darth, we have one rule. No survivors. Was it just me or did it was it weird seeing the Crimson Guard with guns? Yeah, yeah, it is kind of odd like with those it. big rifles. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you're going down <laughs> again in the I say all this. And now I laugh at the Hidden Empire 5 cover where it does look like Palpatine is laying on the ground screaming at Darth <laughs> Vader who's doing something. So we'll have to see. It did make me laugh, some of the stuff, though, like the setup. And it wasn't as forced, maybe, as the Star Wars one that we talked first. But you do kind of get this deal at this point. You're four issues in. You have a lot of things going where, even through the War of the Bounty Hunters, where at points we thought Crimson Dawn with the secret organization, the almost the Hail Hydra-type deal. Oh, my God, they're so powerful. And then that kind of got lessened real quick. To the point where Kira, remember when Kira kept just, it's all in the plan. It's all part mm-hmm. of the, everything was getting decimated. You didn't even, and now we're at a point where we just have Hail Mary. Hey, everybody, go attack. We got to get, and it all comes down to this Fermata cage and the Sith. And I, I just don't think that's as interesting a story as maybe Charles Sewell thinks to be pretty much taking place and taking over an event here, I guess it's an event, it's a little, you know, hidden empire deal, but also the the stuff going on in Afra. I just want it over with. I just want to get it. We keep talking about, hey, we want to get to what happens after Return of the Jedi. Then we could do some stuff and actually, you know, go through some new stuff and set a new canon that, you know, that they had before, but then they got rid of. So I want to see that. But in the meantime, I kind of just want to see what happens with Kira and then that's it. But what would you give this? Seven out of ten, I would give this one. Yeah, I think I'm. It's funny, like the seven is our our score of. Well, it had Pretty some standard. things that are interesting, but and the art's good. But overall, yeah, like I said in my rant and rave, there is kind of want to get to the next thing. I want to see what happens with Kira. I'm interested in that. I don't think she'll die. I think that she. I said I think she gets put in that Fermata cage so that she can end up being brought back if they wanted to later. We'll see. But I kind of want to get to something new. And as we said in the Star Wars book, this is its own thing. So I'm not going to say that this has to do anything. We're going to end at five and Kira, boom, we're done. I just want to get back to that feeling of, oh, man, like that that cool stuff. Oh, that's why Lando did this. Like I'm waiting for Lando when he decides, well, I'm going to go work for Jabba undercover as a guard. Or I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, I want to see those connections yeah, that's gotta again. That's got to happen soon. Yeah, it should. I mean, there's a bunch of things that still need to happen, but I kind of want to Get that feeling again, that cool feeling of, oh, man, that's why that happened. And that's it. We have that a bit. The one book that we keep being a bit more positive about is the Darth Vader book with Greg Puck. And even in the background of that, it's showing you that softer side of Vader that makes sense then when we get to Return of the Jedi and him saving Luke. So I like that sort of feel in the books. These things are just side stories that are fine. 
But I think at the end, I don't think anybody's really going to be talking in a couple of years about the Fermata cage and how cool the Ascendant were. So that's my big deal. Oh, but there's a lot of stuff to wrap up. I am interested to see what you do in number five. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a lot to wrap up, except just maybe things like, oh, no, this is going to work. And Kira ends up jumping to I, save the arc. I don't know. I think they might push it into another five series, five series limited. Maybe. Dawn thing. Maybe. Well, it is called now. <laughs> Crimson Dawn from Mata Cage. I, I don't know. We'll see. But that is it. That is it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Then go over to our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. Check out our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics. And then finally, go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. Check out all of the things that we do there. If you like podcasts, we have a ton of podcasts, a lot of Marvel stuff. and when we get done here, even though it's taken us a little longer than I thought, especially me reading, but I'm going to go off and I'm going to do the classic Star Wars episode that I have been lax on doing for a while. Nice. I have that all set up, so I'm going to do that, going back and going through the original Marvel comics that were taking place between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back right after New Hope ended, you know, did that deal. And I just don't want to get people mixed up with stuff like the jason aaron stuff this is the stuff back in the 70s onwards so i'm going through those but also marvel-esque me and you are doing secret invasion on our crisis podcast so that's another marvel thing over there as well but a lot of different podcasts if you're into that so that is at patreon.com slash weird science but that is it thanks for joining me matt as always thanks everybody for listening we'll talk to you later you are all weirdos weird science is the revolution Weird science is the revolution.